Welcome back, everyone, to what has been a long gestating episode in Paul Counts Downey's favourite 100 films of all time, the last 10 of which will be the final episode of The Countdown, whenever that day may come. And you might think, geez, this is getting low, this is 50 to 41 today, but if you've been paying attention, you probably haven't because you would have forgotten, it's about a year ago since I last did one of these episodes with Joey from the So Wizard podcast, and it took that long for myself and my guest today's schedules to align. He's a very busy man. He cooks, he moves, he pleases the world. He's changing it one live stream at a time. I am, of course, talking about Nicholas Haskins from Nikolai's Kitchen. Welcome back to The Countdown, sir. Hi. <laughs> first time caller, not first time. No, not first time caller and not first time listener. No, definitely not. I mean, we go back in the in the Patreon feed. There's a, a litany of of random crossovers that you and I had done. There's for sure random guest appearances back in the in the Potomatic version of the show, the early early Ooh. days of the countdown of me taking over for Wayne and you know all sorts of all sorts of random stuff. Right. Long 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 history, long long friendship. Now, God, I've known you for like seven years now, Come which up, is what, weird six to me. And a half or something like that. That's uh, something like that. Pretty amazing and. The other part that you're heavily involved with these days is not as a film critic reviewer, but as a foodie and general good vibe in. I'm just making that word up, but uh, maybe you can tell the listeners about uh, Nikolai's Kitchen. I mean, it's it's uh, me trying to make the world a little bit better one dish at a time is, is what I like to say on the show. It's, it's all about positivity and scratch made food. It's me kind of taking a little adventure, trying to make different things, things I've never made before. If I have made them, trying to refine them. And yeah, I talk about it's it's tough to say positivity because sometimes I get into some, you know, some more serious stuff about what's going on in my life, things that have happened in my life, places I've been, places I'm going, all that all that kind of stuff. So I kind of try to relate stuff to my life. It gets yeah, it yeah, like I said, it's it's positivity, but it does get it gets heavy at times, but I think I've struggled a lot. I've I've been some dark places in my life and if if me sharing what i've been through and if me putting my experiences out there for somebody else to hear if somebody else can get something out of that and maybe it can it can it can change the course of their life you know because there's there's different people that have helped me you know amongst yourself included you know just having a lot of serious conversations with you that guided me and 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 kept me from you know making worse choices than i did or getting to inevitable ends that you know i I'm glad I didn't, you know, so if I can, if, if I can make a difference in, in anybody's life, if I can, if I can make somebody's life better, then that's all that matters to me. That's pretty huge. So, I mean, you probably know Nick, I'm sure if you're listening to the show, as Nick has already implied, but uh, you may not know him in the, in the new iteration that he's in. So head on over, check out Nikolai's Kitchen and uh, you don't have to worry about him giving a ridiculous take on a film, except today you do. Because that's what we're here for, to bring Nick back oh, to I'm the fold. I'm going to piss you off so bad today, too. <laughs> and we're going to talk our favorite movies from 50 to 41. I've gotten the, all these guests on. Julio from the Contrarians did all the way down to 100. Joey last time around did up to 60. It's a big ask of people. How did you go about getting your top 50 films? You gave me a little bit of a hint off mic, but you know, so the listeners are aware. So 
I kind of just started writing down, like I went and looked at my physical media. I looked at all of my digital media. I just started writing down everything that I'm like, I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. And then I immediately shopped off the first 40. I was like, no, this one needs. And here's the way that it divides. And it kind of in the middle of my list somewhere is where it starts to go. Even, even like this whole thing. They start to get more personal this high up the list, and maybe yeah, that's sure. your reflection or not. Um, they start to get more personal. Like the lower part of the hundred, I feel like would be like, yeah, I really love this film. It's a four star, four and a half star, five star banger, whatever. But now, when you start to get higher, 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 they start speaking to you more. And I feel like, yeah, I shopped off the first forty. I was like, no, this is definitely higher than forty. And then I shopped off the okay, I'm going to watch this before this. I'm going to watch this before this. I love this, but I've only seen it once or twice or any any of those number of, of different things. And yeah, it was it was kind of more eliminating things from this 10 on the basis of it's better than or it's not as good as, you know. And, and that's really, really, really subjective, especially in this kind of situation. Uh, because like I said, a lot of these, even these 10, a lot of these are very personal for specific reasons. That's why they're this high. Yeah. And I want to emphasize that this is not the best 50 films, the top 50 films of all time. We're not making that argument here. We're making the argument. Oh, my, these... I am. Mine, mine are. Just <laughs> bar none. We're saying these are the, our favorites, personal uh, films. And yeah. Like you, <laughs> all of these films speak to me at whatever particular reason. Uh, as we'll find out as we go, but all of them are four and a half stars and above for me once we get to 50 and, and higher. So there's your, your guarantee that we're talking about films that very rarely reach that that level. In fact, this week on the show, which haven't been released yet, but this will come out afterwards so I can say The Northman for me, four and a half star film, the best film I've seen in a long, nice. long time. Uh, I realize it won't be everyone's cup of tea and I don't know whether you've had a chance to see it yet, Nick. I haven't, no. no. So I won't say more about it. But then it. again, I've been to the theater twice since uh december so and the thing that pisses me off too is i bought like i paid for a whole year like once i moved up here i paid for a whole year of regal cinemas like their 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 subscription program so literally i can go to the movies for free anytime i want and you've been twice (laughs) i've been twice yeah it's just it's like the problem is is with covid like once we got out of the habit with covid like epic film guys we still did the canon stuff and that was so much fun like doing those canon movies including Mm -hmm. one of the greatest action masterpieces of all time death wish three please don't tell me that's in in your 50 to 41 It's not. No, no. I, it, <laughs> and like, I purposely like. Th- there's nothing here that I wouldn't personally re- like. I love that movie, but it's not like even. It's not. It's like a two star movie. Like it's, you know, it's Generous. just like really, <laughs> really. It's just really, really just silly, fun, over the top goofiness. You know, like all these are like. I seriously rate these films where where I rate them. But once COVID, like once I, I left Epic Film Guys, like for the litany of reasons that I did, you know, without the show to have to go to the yeah, movies for. And then like my schedule just changed to a point where like I just don't have a lot of time to Fair make enough. it to a theater to sit down for a movie like I had to I had to make it for the Batman I had to make it for Spider-Man No Way Home oh, so the I do want to see ask. The Northman yeah um I was gonna ask know, which I, two I, films did get you there and of course the Batman would have had to have been one so yeah yeah the Batman which was phenomenal absolutely of phenomenal of course you were gonna love it the, the lover of the 89 Batman that you are and indeed all the other Batman films so 
All right, well, look, we should get on with it then. Without any further ado then, Nicholas Haskins, what is your 50th favourite film of all time, at least today as of time of recording? This is this is this is going to be when Paul's going to wish he had the soundboard. So my number fifty, <laughs> yeah, I don't have it. That's a good point. My number fifty is uh, a film that just just came out uh, very very recently on HBO Max. Uh, it is Zack Snyder's Justice. <laughs> oh jeez, what the what the what the hell? Are you? No, no, no. See, like I said, I knew I, 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 I mean, I've got more, I've got more takes that are just going to incense you. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. I didn't hate but... that film. I can, I can see certainly the res- the story behind it, the way it was resurrected from the version that we got, what three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was. Oh God, it doesn't, it doesn't even, it doesn't even come close to come close to touching it. But I think there, there's something so there's something so personal about it in me, and that's kind of the way I'm going to connect to most of these films that are in this segment here is. There's just this the the whole plot, especially of Cyborg, like you know, being made to believe he's broken and everything, and kind of reclaiming that by the end of the movie to where he's not broken and he's not alone. Like that whole thing just spoke to me so 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 mm-hmm. much, and just I mean, like I said, it's I I really really love it. I've always loved DC characters. I'm a fan of Snyder's uh, stuff. Batman versus Superman wouldn't make my top 100, but well, Paul knows how I feel about Man of Steel. So. <laughs> I don't mind Man of Steel. I'm I'm not an apologist, but I like that film, so I don't understand why yeah. people hate on it so much. But anyway, but yeah, though that's it's that's that's my number fifty. Like I said, I mean, I I really, 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 really enjoyed it, and I think it's uh, if if people haven't given it a try. Granted, it is four hours, and yes, it's indulgent because he could be like that four hour cut never would have appeared in theaters no. ever. It's only indulgent because like they were like, here, just do whatever. And he was just like, okay, well, here's literally all of it. Well, that's the narrative, right? You didn't get to make the film you had to make because of personal circumstances, which were very tragic and it can cause studio interference. But then the the fan base rallied so hard that they got it across the line and Water Brothers sank whatever it sank into. And was it another 80 or 90 million or something to get it? Something like that, yeah. And then they just said, all right, well, we'll have it all. Thanks very much. And it's nothing like this will ever happen again. I don't believe it's it's quite the story in and of itself. So no, I, yeah, I, I I don't think so. All right. Well, my number fifty maybe doesn't speak to me quite as personally as the way you've just described, but it's from uh, Alejandro Gonzalez in Aritu. It's the Revenant from two thousand and fifteen in the lifetime of the podcast. One of the most beautiful films in terms of the way it's shot I've ever seen. With all the natural lighting, um, the, the incredible cinematography. Yeah. I think DiCaprio is very good in the film, as is Tom Hardy. They are incredible leads, and not just when they're bouncing off each other, but their physicality and their believability in this role. They disappear into these two roles. If you didn't know who they were, you could, particularly Hardy, you just forget, because he's so the anti-Hollywood kind of Hollywood glamour guy in this particular role. And I guess what it is about this film that really works for me is just, I'm always stunned and amazed by these against the odd survival stories because I just put myself in the titular character's shoes and just think I'd be dead. I'd have copped the first arrow or whatever it was. <laughs> I just never would have got anywhere. Or once I got mauled by that fucking bear that uh, there's no right. way I would have got off the ground regardless of what was happening to me. And to, for him to go through that and then it's based on a true story, well, arguably a true story, just ends that extra level of incredibility to me. I've seen it three times now, and not in 4K. It's one of the best-looking 4Ks that I own. So that's why The Revenant is all the way up here for me at uh, number 50. 
I remember it was God when I I don't remember if it was it like a, a Leonardo DiCaprio film countdown or so we did a crossover where something was related to Leonardo DiCaprio movies with you guys. It was Things years built. ago now. And yeah, I remember I'm not a big a, as big of a fan of Leo specifically in the film. I think he's done way better work. And I think this was him really, really, really trying to get an Oscar. And he got it. Uh, and so I'm happy that he did. <laughs> yeah. But I think he's done far better work. And that's kind of the thing that aggravated me about it. It was like, ah, stop trying so hard, Leo. But it's it's still a really great film. Like it is a really great film, and yeah, shot absolutely, absolutely incredible. Yeah, look, and, and to be honest, shares a lot of DNA. The Northman shares a lot of DNA with the Revenant. So if you dug that film, you'll probably like the other one. Sweet. All right, what's your forty nine? <sighs> My number forty nine is a film that you specifically pissed me off. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> when because now everybody knows. Everybody knows that Paul hates musicals. Okay. Yes. I tried. I tried, ladies and gentlemen. You can listen to it. I. It might be. I can't remember if it was on my side or if it was on your side. It might be in the EFG Patreon feed. It might be in the countdown somewhere. But I'm talking about Dream Girls. So I tried to find a movie. <laughs> Paul's Paul's big thing, and, and I don't want to necessarily speak for him, but I will, uh, is, is he doesn't like in musicals when the characters just all of a sudden break out into song and dance in the middle Good. of everyday circumstances. Yep, so I figured maybe, maybe I could find an inroad to where he would at least like a musical because almost every single piece in dream girls takes place on a stage because they're a musical act almost and he still fucking hated it <laughs> almost almost he still fucking hated it though uh which 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 broke my heart i absolutely absolutely adore this movie jennifer Sorry. hudson gives one of my favorite performances ever i think she won uh, did she in... win the academy or just get nominated for that yes she did no yeah. she won she won uh this is like Beyonce at her best, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't listen to a lot of Beyonce's music, no, but man. like, loved her. Uh, absolutely adored her in this movie. Eddie Murphy was phenomenal in this movie. And then I think that was the year he walked out of the Oscars when he didn't win. When went away, had a long, hard was, think about himself, and now he's back and a bit more contrite and willing to make good films again. Because this is the that's same what he year. gets for this, making Norbit. Yeah, it was Norbit. <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was that old Nutty Presser too, but yeah, he obviously shot himself in the foot there and just didn't recognize that was the case. Yeah, because I think Norbit came out like I, it was right before the voting started for the Oscars that year. And yeah, people, <laughs> people predicted that that's what had happened. Like you know, everybody was like, "Oh my God, we love Murphy in this film. He's so great. Like he was a favorite to win." And then Norbit comes. <laughs> It came out and it's such a piece of shit. <laughs> and that's like, I mean, that was like even pre woke era or whatever, but that was like him in yellow face, like being that Chinese character. So, oh my God. Bad. Yeah. Bad Eddie Murphy. Dream girls. I, I absolutely love it. I tried people. I tried to, cause I was like, if I give them a musical where they're, they're singing all the songs because they're on stage, because they're a musical group, maybe we can sneak them in there. No. Sing Street and Once. There you go. There's two musicals that I like. So Not enough. That's not enough, Paul. <laughs> All right. My number 49 is... It might... If I was really honest and I went back and reordered this list, it might have slipped down a little bit because I did rewatch it recently with my daughter as we worked our way through this series of films. And this was her favorite in, in the whole trilogy. I refuse to acknowledge the fourth film. I am, of course, talking about Indiana Jones <laughs> and The Last Crusade. <laughs> 
You know, can we talk about Paul Prezula and the crusade to not recognize the kingdom of the Crystal Skull? I'm really looking forward to Indiana Jones 4 when it comes out. I think Harrison Jones as an old Indiana Jones will be really interesting. Harrison Jones, Harrison Ford to watch as a real old Indiana Jones will be really interesting because I've never done that before. So that's, that's something to look forward to. I think now it's been pushed to next year. In the meantime, we can go back to 1989 and where he already was kind of getting a little long in the tooth. And it's a perfect pairing having Sean Connery as his dad. I'm yeah. not sure I can think of you know, Gibson and, and Danny Glover in the Lethal Weapon series, but just a generational fun pairing, which just works. The charisma that these two have on the screen, totally believable. It doesn't matter. Don't look at anything alike, but their charisma sells them as father and son. And the adventures they get into, the tank sequence at the end, just how hot Alison Duty is. Even Marcus, Brody, and Sala, and how they get involved in the adventures. It's just the perfect culmination of two other, well, one outstanding film, and then one other pretty good film. And this one, I wouldn't say it surpasses. Yeah, do I, definitely not going to say it surpasses, because we might hear about another film somewhere on this list. Not today, though. My number 49 is the third Indiana Jones film. Man, I have not seen... I haven't watched any of the Indiana Jones movies in quite some time. I really do. I really am long overdue a revisit on those. They're so good. And they're out in 4K now. You can get them there. Uh, I think there's a shitty fourth bonus disc you can throw away. But those first three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, And Lord. I should mention John Williams' score, of course, which is incredible and still graces my, my Iconic. iTunes. Yeah. All right. 48. Uh... Well, I'm, I am sure uh, that this is going to elicit a, a very... Uh, aggravated low from you because it's a film that a lot of people rate and and this is a make no mistake these are five-star films for me okay like i'm not even pretending like i don't absolutely adore it but i don't adore it as much as some of the other films in his filmography i'm talking about quentin tarantino's pulp fiction no not low oh not low. okay no i don't have a quentin i do have a quentin tarantino film higher than this but it's not that one Okay, uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure. I am sure somebody listening to this oh, in, yeah. in the in the countdown Patreon is incensed right now. Like I, there are films uh, that you know are even more personal to me for for other reasons than this film. I, I like I said, I love it. I adore almost everything about this movie. Bruce Willis is still not my favorite actor nor my favorite part of this movie. No, but would it be anyone's think, favorite part? I don't know. I don't think so. I really don't Surely think so. Jules Winfield and Vincent Vega rolling around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Like, there's just so <laughs> many. There's so many like great iconic in scenes in this movie. I've seen this movie like probably a hundred times. Like, I've seen it so many times. It is a really, really great movie. Uh, but I think Tarantino got better in some ways as he matured. He's done some other movies that are far better in terms of you know him it, it, just in terms specifically of his direction uh and how sure he's elevated his craft and he's elevated what he has done since that movie not everything he's released since pulp fiction is better than pulp fiction no. like by a long shot there's not several that are far worse yep. you know but Look yeah at you, I, death proof I, <laughs> uh, but yeah i i do absolutely love it but uh yeah this is and this is the this is the tough thing about making a list of a, like a top 100 films when you have like 50 five-star bangers in your like films you love list absolutely. it's really hard to start shopping them around and that's why you have to start getting 
they have to mean something to you more personally. They have to speak to you on a more personal level than just, yeah, it's a five-star movie. It's great. It's perfect. I love it. You know? I Even looking at the list here today, these 10, because I did this list a long, long time ago and largely I've stuck to it other than when something like Halloween I completely forgot about ended up shunting it in at 51 last time around. Look, at the, I would change some of these 10 if I'm really honest now. Indiana Jones, I've rewatched, might have slid down a little bit. My, I've got one a little bit higher up that might, yeah, I really, really love that film, but do I love it as much as some of the other ones that are a little bit lower on that list? Because I haven't watched it in a long time. So, but look, you do the best that you can. I can give you my guarantee that my top 15 is cemented. A little bit like you're talking about these top 40, bang, they're out there. But in this sort yeah. of middle part of this list, it's it's harder to get a kind of get a bead on. So, yeah, yeah I think like right. my top 20, my top 20 would be like concrete like there's probably like maybe a, a place or two you could swap a couple of films like you could swap number 18 and 17 maybe you know but yep. like those 20 or those 20 no matter what you know well my 48 is also in the lifetime of the podcast and this is one that absolutely blew me away i think you'd i don't think you could find what is the maybe there's one other film series i can think of where the sixth film in the series is far and away the best film in the series and it's one that we've been waiting for the sequel to now because of coronavirus for at least uh, 12 months. I think by the time it comes out, it's going to be closer to 24 months. I'm talking about Mission Impossible Fallout uh, is my 48th favorite film. I don't think there is a better example of how to do a spy film with Tom Cruise, is not my favorite actor, but in this role, he lives and breathes now, Ethan Hunt. It is, yeah. I think it's kind of like... Rocky Balboa for Sylvester Stallone. Like, it's just so him to a T. And the fact that he is evergreen, sure, he's showing his age just a little bit these days. But, you know, we've had six of these films versus we're going to have two Top Guns by the end of next month. This is the one that, that resonates for me. You add Henry Cavill to the mix, who is just... Everyone loves Henry Cavill. He himself seems like an absolute legend of a, of a guy as well. But his yeah. charisma on screen. Rebecca Ferguson, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames... And the fact that Christopher Quarry now has taken the reins and has an arc for this character beyond just adventure stop. Now, yep. things that happened in Rogue Nation, which I liked but didn't love, come back into Fallout and have a real resonance. So there's, there's a through line now and things seem to matter even more than the world being destroyed or a bomb going off and whatever else. But it's the action set pieces which just set this film apart. Unbelievable. Like Phenomenal. The, the end scenes in this film, the the running through London and the, the foot chase scene, even the twists and turns with Alec Baldwin's character, it all works for me. And I was umming and ahhing at this film. And I'm like, oh, two and a half fucking hours. Come on. I literally remember the night we went to see it, 2018. It was my then workplace's Christmas in July function. In fact, our Christmas party we decided to have in July. <laughs> and I forewent it to go and see the event screen of this movie. Great decision. Very, very pleased. And that's how much I, I love this film. Again, own it on 4K. It's awesome. I cannot wait to see what Macquarie can do and obviously Tom Cruise can do in the seventh film when we finally see it. See, I thought for a second when you said the sixth film in the franchise, I thought you were going to say Saw 6, the <laughs> final cut or whatever. And I was like, Paul, no. <laughs> no. But you know what? Friday the 13th Part 6, I think is the best film in the Friday the 13th series. <laughs> Jason lives. <laughs> the Fallout is great. The Fallout is... It, it's It's incredible yeah like the the helicopter chase at the end the bathroom mm. fight scene of oh, course yeah. like mccory and that's one of the things like in this kind of modern era of action like the john wick stuff and the mission impossible stuff where 
in a world where too many directors are quick cutting between stuff mm -hmm. or where there's just too much CGI everywhere in like these comic book movies, you have movies like this and like a John Wick where the camera stays on the actors, the camera follows the actors, the camera continues to, to stay with the action. So you get to watch stunt people doing these kinds of things. Amazing, amazing work, like to choreograph all that and to put all that together. And it, and it plays on screen. It's just, it, had, it hits so much harder than any time you could ever like, oh, like uh, I cut six, like the last Resident Evil movie. That's the one you were talking oh. about, Resident Evil 6. Like... <laughs> Literally, there's more cuts, I think, in that movie like than in any other movie combined maybe in history ever. I'll, uh, like, there's a million you, of them. I'll see you that film and challenge you a film called Mile 22, directed by uh, Peter Berg, which has uh, Ico U.S. and I geez, can't remember the lead in it. Oh, Mark Wahlberg. It is mm -hmm. awful. It's like <laughs> how you can have Ico U.S., the guy from The Raid, and make it look like he can't do martial arts because you've edited 17 shots for him throwing one punch. It's incredible how shit uh, it is. It's like, it reminds me of like that 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 scene in Taken 3 where Liam Neeson oh, jumps over a fence, fence and there's like <laughs> 18 cuts for him getting up over the fence. And back. Oh my God. Great call. Great call. <sighs> oh man. All right, what do you got for us next? All right, so my next one uh, is going to take a decidedly dramatic turn, and uh, this is a quiet little film, and I, like, as much time as I've ever spent talking about movies, I don't think I've ever, ever talked Ooh. to anybody about this movie. It's a little movie called October Sky, and Heard it's Gyllenhaal. Yeah, okay. Gyllenhaal, Chris Cooper, uh, Laura Dern's in it, and it's it's basically based on like a true story of a NASA engineer who like it, it, Jake Gyllenhaal plays that character named Homer, where he builds these like they him and his classmates build like rockets, like like rockets in the 1950s okay. in like uh, coal town America, you know, like West Virginia, like in, in in a town that's basically like a coal mining town. You know, it's it's about like not only that, like it's not only about like building stuff like rockets and stuff, which is something that interests me, but it's also like his really complicated relationship with his dad and living up to his dad's like impossible expectations for him. Uh, like all that stuff plays really, really, really well. Phenomenal performances in the film uh, as well. Like I said, Gyllenhaal's great in it. It's probably probably my earliest Gyllenhaal where I like absolutely adored him. What, uh, uh, what Chris Cooper. I, it's in the 90s somewhere. I can't Shit. remember the year. How old is Gyllenhaal in this movie? So it's before Donnie Darko or after Donnie Darko? I would wager before. Now I want to look it up because now you got me curious. I want okay. to say before I look it up like 96 or 97. 99. Okay. So that would have been right around the same time of Donnie yeah. Darko, I think. Yep. I thought, I thought yeah. Darko was his first film, but I could be way off the mark. You know, look at that. See, I didn't look anything up about like who direct. Yeah, Joe Johnston, uh, Rocketeer, Captain America. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, phenomenal film. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough, especially if if you're somebody who has had a, ever had a complicated relationship with a parent, uh, then it'll speak to you. It will it will absolutely speak to you. Okay, nice. All right, my forty seven is a film which is very divisive, and I know that some of our listeners really get annoyed at me when I sing the praises of this movie, but it's one that completely bamboozled me on the first watch and it wasn't probably even the third watch I suddenly realized what it had managed to do and it's the kind of thing that would normally incense me so much but I was so swept away in the film and so entertained by it as well as it's not subtle but powerful message about you know racism Ooh, I want to guess what it is I want to guess go on Forrest Gump <laughs> you've secretly loved it all these years 
fair. This has been a seven-year joke on every listener. Forrest Gump is the 47th greatest film of all time. There, are you happy? Uh, no, it's, I'm it's clipping District that. 9. I'm clipping that. <laughs> Good stuff. Good movie. District 9, which starts off like a basically a mockumentary, effectively studying race relations in South Africa, which is, of course, where it's set in Johannesburg. Uh, a first-time film from, unfortunately, a guy who's subsequently showing that he can't direct for shit. It just, this was just a magical happenstance where it all came together, Neil Blomkamp, uh, and introduced the world to Chartal Copley, who is now a thing just about wherever you look and follows, yeah, aliens came to Earth, they crashed on Earth, they're treated like second-class citizens, they're left in slums, and when this uh, government bureaucrat whose job is to move them on and stop them from being nuisances basically becomes, for want of a better word, infected with their... DNA, I guess, and slowly begins to change, uh, he starts to see world from a very different point of view. And that sounds boring, but it's anything but, especially in the second half film, which becomes a straightforward traditional sci-fi action here. The genre flip in the middle of the film, like, because it starts off in a very mockumentary kind mm-hmm. of style. And then the, yeah, the genre flip to like this straight up sci-fi action, like, it's amazing. And on the budget that he had, and especially what was this, 2008, 2009, like the budget that Spot he on. had and did the things that he did like the battles with like those big mech suits and like all that like dude it's great it's such a good movie like that's a scrappy hungry filmmaker trying to make like his passion project very clearly and absolutely knocking out of the park but he spent you're exactly right literally every ounce of his creativity on it because he hasn't done dick since everything since has been either a disappointment or just flat out terrible his latest foray which was this terrible sort of sci-fi horror film called demonic or something like that was so it was almost unwatchable it was so terrible so you know he he almost got an aliens film there before ridley scott quashed it and everyone got excited myself included thinking well we're coming back into sort of his his zone very small zone that he has but probably a good thing that he he never really got to make that film because yeah based on what we've seen since not good however this film yeah love the shit out of it so banger yeah and and like you say the fact that it's his first time director no one thought anything of it, myself included, and went and was just blown away with surprise by this movie. That's why it is here for me at 47. I love it. Peter Jackson was the one that, that really pushed him, I think, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, I think he had yeah. something to do. Maybe he got wetter involved with some of the special effects from memory or, yeah, maybe he did some yeah, work I, out I, I can't remember. All right, 46. <laughs> well, to swerve as hard as I and this is again me that's swerving all over the place with my list but that's my love of film uh my number 46 is one of the most ridiculous crazy watches that you will ever have because you go literally on a two-hour drug-fueled bender uh, with Johnny Depp and Benicio oh, Del Toro right, okay. it's fearing lo- fear and loathing in Las Vegas unbelievable how good this movie is and it's really it really has its quiet poignancy and that's what i really really love about it like talking about like counterculture in the 60s and 70s and and all that stuff and it's all just wrapped up in this just insane like i i've never done hard drugs i never will do hard drugs i'm 41 if i haven't done them by now yeah i'm not going to but this film watching this film this and requiem for a dream i think could probably take that title but are the two films that have come the closest to making me probably understand what it's like mm-hmm. you know like it's absolute batshit lunacy happening on the screen i mean terry gilliam directed it so that makes sense <laughs> you know i mean it's it's absolute batshit lunacy but like i said it has it has its quiet beauty there's just these beautiful quiet moments that punctuate it 
all throughout it. And 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 Johnny Depp, you know, to, to say whatever you'll say about him or whatever, because now, now he's going through that whole lawsuit yep. with Amber Heard and all that stuff. And it's to, to say nothing else of him, like he moved in with Hunter S. Thompson, who, I mean, legitimately was the as he did. He it's a it's it's true accounts like these things happened to a person. You know, I've never and, seen this film. I've heard all about it. I know all about oh, it. It's, but, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Depp moved in with him. Like a lot of the clothes he wears in the movie are Hunter S. Thompson's. Wow. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson like shaved his head, like or like gave him a haircut, like and literally Johnny Depp lived with him to learn his mannerisms and 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 all that stuff. And I think they remained really really good friends until because Thompson killed himself years and years ago now. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's unbelievably good. And like, I think you, especially as, as a lover of some really crazy mind melty warped shit would love it. I think you would absolutely love it. Okay. We'll have to check that one out. Very nice. All right. I My expect 46. that in a top 10 last 10 coming soon. All right. All right. <laughs> My 46 isn't that far away from what you're describing. Cause it's also very out there. It, is one of those films which a lot of people really like. I don't know if that many people love it the way that I do, but I think this was one of the films which ushered in this kind of, almost want to say, anti-superhero kind of the boys-esque sort of era we're going in now. I'm going back to 2010 for Matthew Vaughan's Kick-Ass. Is nice. For me. Nice. I, I didn't see anything like this before. Like, you know, we, now, we have, kick. <laughs> now we have Deadpool and like I said, the boys and this kind of, you know, superheroes are, aren't everything they cracked up to be and but this is just literally a kid who decides he's had enough he's going to become a superhero and in the process just about gets himself killed until he does get connected with a couple of people who are superheroes namely Nicolas Cage's Big Daddy and Chloe Grace Moretz as Hit Girl and then they end up taking on what Mark Strong's big bad guy and Christopher Mintz Plass just an, this was my introduction to Aaron Taylor Johnson who is a bit of a chameleon speaking of Tom Hardy earlier Aaron yep. Taylor Johnson has the market cornered on. Is that Aaron Taylor Johnson between his yep. role in the recent Kingsman versus when he popped up in Tenant? I just he's such I barely recognise the kid slash yeah. young man slash behemoth because he looks like he's bulked up for the Olympics. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that that goes all the way back to when he was in uh, even well even even Kickass too. I think he had he had done some considerable bulking up for. It. But yeah, when he was in like Godzilla. Yep. And all that, yeah, he kind of completely transformed because he used to be like this small and wiry. Like Weed, you yeah. think of him here in in Kickass, like he's a bean, he's a bean pole, yep. you know. And yeah, he has uh, definitely added some added some meat. I love this movie. Great pick. I love it. It's such Thank a good movie. It's so again the violent, over the top nature of it. I think yeah, Nicolas Cage is brilliant in this film. <laughs> One of his best films he's ever made in a relatively small bit role. It introduces also Chloe Grace Moretz, who was just a kid at the time, but has obviously gone on to be. Uh, a sort of Hollywood staple over the last 10, 12 years. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love Matthew Vaughan as a director. I think his visionary style is very, very good, particularly in this era. I maybe lost a little bit with the last couple of Kingsman films, but this and... The Golden Kingsman, Circle was a bag of assholes. God. Your take on the prequel one, whether you like it more or less than when you... When you I, I still haven't seen it. I would I would love to see it, but oh, my God, I hated Golden Circle. I, yeah. It's a movie, even in the EFG days, like, it's the, my running joke about it was that I still feel like I'm watching it. Still That's watch how it. fucking long it feels. <laughs> well, this one, Kick-Ass, is a rather spelt by comparison, 117 minutes. So, yeah, that's my 46. What a great movie. And, like, my respect for Nicolas Cage, like, went up. Like, he just did a, a Reddit AMA because he's got the... 
I can't unbearable remember. way to mess with talent. That's what yep. it is. Yeah, that's the that's the name of it. Like he's got that coming out now, and like he did a Reddit AMA. Like he's so fucking humble. Like the dude is just so fucking humble and so grateful for like his celebrity, his success, his fans, and everything. Like that's my cool. respect for him shot up like massively. Uh, when when I saw when I saw that and was like reading through some of his answers, like 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 seriously, like dude just is super fucking cool and like laid back and like nice. Nice just loves get, what he does you know nice when your your heroes or the people that you admire don't turn out to be complete jack-offs yeah yeah i just man go check that out if you haven't checked that out but uh shell great pick uh my what are we on 45 we are all right this i i have to believe this one's gonna get a low from you i i have to it has to make my list of like it has to be in the top 50 for me uh which is how i justified it but I don't know, like, I don't probably have as many personal reasons why I love this one as a lot of the stuff that's higher than this. It is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I just kicked my speaker. That's because your speaker realizes that's a terribly low choice and you should put it up. I mean, again, like I said, five star, five star film. Uh, absolutely for me. I think Paul would like resoundingly agree. One of the best soundtracks of the yes. last decade. While we're in the 2020s now, but like yeah. of that decade, Tom you know, Hulk one of the best movie soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, it, and just ignore the people that are like, but they just drive to a place and oh, then they drive God. back. Because I mean, number one, Paul, agree with me here. The visual effects buffet on display here. They built so many of these cars. They did almost everything you see in this movie for real. They used CGI basically for like the sandstorm and to enhance like the explosions and and, like a lot of that stuff. A lot of the stunt work you see, you see these cars flipping and exploding and guys on poles swinging. They did every single bit of it. Every single bit of it phenomenal film absolutely incredible production i it it guts me that we're still waiting for any kind of follow-up from this because of the legal troubles that followed it like sort the fucking thing out please give it to and like stop stop i don't care yes furiosis but mad max max rakitansky is never the main point of mad max movies he's always just kind of there You know, he's like, he's, he's the audience surrogate, Yep. you know, he's the audience surrogate. You're just going along on the ride with him. And yeah, it's Furiosa's movie and Charlize Theron is incredible in it. Mm -hmm. Incredible movie. Absolutely love it. Watched it again, not that long ago for what must be the fourth or fifth or sixth time, maybe. It's so good. And I always put it on (laughs) intending just to watch the good bits, but then I just get sucked in and just watch it because. Uh, The good bits you mean from the beginning to the end? To the end. (laughs) Yep. The, the only fault I can uh, knock that film is with the, and this was studio interference, they wanted it to be post-converted into C, into 3D, so they have a couple of stupid 3D shots just to just to have you yep. floating towards the camera to give you that really shit-ass effect. Because it's, right it's 1910, end. and we've never seen a motion picture before, <laughs> so something coming at the screen is going to make us be like, whoa! <laughs> Other than that, what a great choice. I'm glad it's on your list, Nick. Uh, at least it, it's got there. So. I know it's coming like in in subsequent releases of this Patreon series. I know I know that one was going to be way higher for you. You'll be waiting a while, let's just put it that way. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Uh my number 45 is my favorite Danny Boyle film and a film which people a little bit like to get distracted by it's just a chase 
film, Mad Max Fury Road, people get distracted by, well, it's not really a zombie film, is it? I'm talking about 28 Days Later. One of the best post-apocalyptic films, I think, that has ever been made. 100%. Again, on a relatively small budget, and Danny Ball's experimenting in 2002 with digital camera work, or cameras as well, so it has a very different look, and it certainly had a very different feel on the big screen, and it doesn't all quite sort of work 20 years later, but put all that aside to the fact that on this tiny shoestring budget, they managed to close down central London for a small period of time and shoot those scenes of Killian Murphy walking through after he wakes up from his coma. Yeah. And it is dazzling. Like the eeriness of that, you know, as someone who has been fortunate enough to go to London a couple of times, is breathtaking. But then the actual ferocity of these, of the people who are infected and how they just try and tear you a new one. It's scary, this film. It really gets under your skin and I just I love Jim and I love all the other characters in it Naomi Harris Brendan Gleeson as well as I can't remember his name his daughter's name in in the film and it's heartbreaking in moments too and of course we get to man is man humans are the worst beast of all which is is the only check on this film it's it's really because that trope is was even in 2002 that trope was so overplayed and I hate like we get it we get but people are people suck we get it <laughs> i will give it credit for the fact that it wasn't every person they came to was was a piece of shit it was that's the true. army dudes and when it all did fall to pieces the way it blended together the horror of the things that are out there with the, i thought it, that worked quite well and what they're all about in terms of how horrifying that was that worked well so alex garland wrote the script for this obviously he's gone from strength to strength can't wait to see his new film men which is coming out Oh yeah, in a month or three, I think June, from vague memory, that looks amazing, and this film is incredible. So that's my forty-five. I know you're one of the sequel apologists too, Paul, but I'll yeah, never you forgive it. That's it right. sucks. I forgot about that. It's terrible. I like the sequel, and I want oh, to see twenty-eight so months bad. later. I would see. I would love to see that movie, but yeah, God, oh, I hated the sequel so much. And that's I. I do love Twenty Eight Days Later, though. It's 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 really really great. And and I mean, this was like two thousand two, so basically zombies up to that point were pretty much your slow shambling Romero type zombies, you know. Yeah, this was definitely one of the first of those. I think around about the same time, one of my favorite authors, Brian King, released a book called uh, The Rising, mm-hmm. and his zombies were, didn't just move fast and whatever else they spoke, and widely this film and that novel are credited along with of course around about the same time i think the walking dead comic kicks off by robert kirkman those yep. three are what gave us zombies up to the way hey, all the way up to the point now right even i can't bear to watch the fucking walking dead final season which is so fucking horrendous i now resort to reading reviews of it online and i'll wait till last three or four episodes just to pick it up and see who dies Although they've spoiled half the cast being spin off so i know they're not going to die once again well done amc you fucking ran this one into the ground See, some of us have known that The Walking Dead has always sucked, Paul, but <laughs> I liked um, the first episode of The Walking Dead, and first season was that great. was it. In fact, I, I, I wrote the first four seasons, all, all pretty good. Then it all started going downhill real fast, and I should have got out. Sigh. <laughs> anyway, 44, Nick. What do you got? Yeah, you, and again, you're ready for me to get as different as you can possibly get from Mad Max Fury Road, Paul. I just, I just wanna, I just wanna just, just ask you how you feel about H2O, Gatorade, H2O, the Water Boy, Paul, oh, Adam God. Sandler in his prime. <laughs> you know how many times I've seen this movie? I adore it no, so much. Apparently, apparently, any more than one would be whatever. Too many times. 
No, it's it's I I absolutely I absolutely absolutely uh, adore this movie. Like I love the football in it. I love I love just how absolutely dumb it is. You know, I love Kathy Bates's mama is probably my favorite part of this movie. You know, foosball is the devil. <laughs> like all those kinds of things. I just I absolutely adore it. And you could really place this movie when it was made in the 90s because it has Faruja Balk in it, who was only famous oh, yeah. for like a short period of time in the 90s. Like she appears in every movie that came out in like 1997 through 1999, I think. <laughs> the Craft is one that yeah. springs to mind. American History X, you know, like she's in like every movie yeah. from that era. But yeah, I love this movie. Like a lot of people like have fallen off of Sandler's shtick, myself included. I yeah. don't watch anything he does anymore and then like i watched even that uncut gems piece of shit which everybody lauded and and loved and worshipped him for two film of the year i think fuck me that that movie is garbage and that performance is so bad i hated him in that movie i can't believe anyone thought he deserved an award for that but the water boy is great i mean he doesn't deserve an award for the water boy either you know it's it's really 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 dumb but yeah, and like Henry Winkler is the football coach is amazing in this movie to me. You know, it's it's I just it a great movie. In 1998 or whenever it was that it came out. Oh and... my god, I've seen this movie like hundreds of times. I can't even tell you. I probably could recite the thing from memory. <laughs> Powerbomb right. compliments of Captain Insano. <laughs> I'm just gonna nod my head and say, well, really, <laughs> you saw something in that film that I don't remember seeing, but it was too long ago for me to really comment on. It's nice you injected some humor. Which is sadly lacking in my ten. I have to admit today, yeah, no, no comedy. This isn't Wayne's top one hundred list, though. This is yeah. yours. I expect a lot of drama, a lot of horror, a lot of action from you. Yep, that's pretty fair. My number forty-four film will back that right up. It's it's also a thriller in this particular case. It's Christopher Nolan's second film, not that I've seen the first. Memento is ooh. where I've got this. No, okay, fair. No, enough. I just said I said ooh. I don't oh, even ooh. think it's. I don't even think it's in my ninety. Is it there? Okay, fair enough. It would probably be in my top 100, but I didn't get that far. <laughs> this film is complete mind-bending madness. And once you work out what's going on in it, it, it is that moment of click clarity. Like, oh, my God. And I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't seen it, even though it is 22 years old. It ends definitely not in a way that you would anticipate at the start of this film, which I think is one of some of its power. But it's that the ballsiness of this film to not show things even remotely linearly and just let the audience gradually piece together what's going on where oh, yeah. protagonist Leonard has antigrade amnesia so he can't form new memories. So after X amount of time, he just forgets what had happened before. So he's taken to tattooing on himself clues trying to lead to the rapist and murderer of his wife. And along the way, he's involved with Carrie Ann Moss and Joe Pantoliano who may or may not be leading him astray. So, yeah, great film. Highly, highly recommended. From God, Joey Pants is always so skeevy. <laughs> he, he has cornered the market on that. Or shouty uh, lieutenant slash captains in, like, the Bad Boys series. Oh, yeah. Also, yes. <laughs> also good in that. So, yeah. There we Man, go. good stuff. What do you got? <sighs> 43. Getting up there now? So, number 43... And I know, I know at least one person listening to this will probably scream at me and say it's too low. I don't know, honestly, where you rate this film, although I know you're a fan of this particular 
series or universe or should we say view a skew universe paul oh i'm not even supposed to be here today uh it's the original it's the og it's great choice great choice great Great film really enjoyed it i mean i I mean kevin smith selling his soul taking out credit cards to produce literally they had to shoot it at night in a convenience store that was closed off so you couldn't tell or like anything like it's yeah black and white because they couldn't afford anything like they literally as the people that shot this movie slapped on his living room floor you know like as shoestring as shoestring gets and and yet produced it's just one of those films that kind of like revolutionized like it's it's one of those films that like is the 90s like it's straight out of what 94 i think it came out right and you know it's 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 um spoke to like an entire uh an entire era like i was like 13 or 14 at the time when it came out and like you imagine seeing this movie for the first time when you're like 13 14 15 years old i mean i know you're a couple years older than me but Jeez, like so even yeah. still you were still like what like 18 19 yeah when this we film came out pretty much so the yeah. age where they were you know kevin's yeah. like he's about our age so yeah you're talking you're having all the nerdy conversations that all those arguments that you've always had with your friends about like nerdy dumb shit that doesn't matter like how many contractors were killed on the death star and <laughs> you know one of my favorite things i ever pulled for the efg soundboard back in those days was like the sound quote of like dante going my girlfriend suck 41 dicks and then the guy turns to him and goes in a row yeah <laughs> like that you know like the Try girl fucking the dead dick guy on the way to the car <laughs> you know jay and silent bob of course get introduced here like i know for a fact that you like absolutely love jay and silent bob strike back like I i'm a huge fan of that movie too uh but this wouldn't be my one highest rated yep. yeah this wouldn't be my highest rated uh smith and i think even judging by the most recent comments uh in the countdown listener community when uh, you just had billy from we watched a thing on i think we all can guess what that is uh yep. what's rated much higher than this even though people shit on it all the time but i love it but yeah clerks is such a great movie and even as bad as smith has begun like reboot was unbelievably bad yeah yeah i i still but, adore but this not movie. as bad as fucking well, oh yoga hoses Jeez. No, I, I never i never even just i just i can't i can't it, please stop I'm putting sure... your child in movies kevin smith does he keep i don't know he keeps talking about clerks three and whether that's gone ahead and whatever else but then he's just back recording his next podcast of the 15 that he's on plus his, his show you know what's really funny too is i was looking for a picture of gil from mall rats to put in the countdown listener community when we were having that conversation in there and i searched i, I, I went on the internet and i found a facebook post from seven years ago from kevin smith being like oh they've 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 secured brian o'halloran for mall rats too and of course that never came to fruition either but that's smith you know he gets projects and he like they just fizzle out and they never come to fruition you know and the irony is the one that did come to fruition off his podcast tusk actually did get made so look i I can't i don't want to shit on the guy too much obviously he made he did make some great films he's got away from being a great filmmaker what he is is an inspiration as a podcaster and if it wasn't for him i doubt that the countdown would have ever got off the ground he was part and parcel oh, for of sure. genesis of an idea for me he, because he said yeah all you need to be a podcast there is no gatekeeper it's just you need a recording device and no matter how shitty it sounds you can put it up there if you want to for people to listen yeah. to probably no Absolutely. one will but you can unlike making films and getting distribution for them or writing books and finding a publisher for them podcasting and here's a message to you all again who are listening if you want to be a podcaster fucking go and be a podcaster that's what yep. kevin smith gave me 
just don't do what Hollywood says podcasters are, which is record from across the room, 30 feet away, <laughs> 30 feet away from a microphone. And, and you, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to be a podcast. Why is every movie nowadays conspiracy or podcasters are all absolute fucking nut jobs? I mean, granted, we're nut jobs probably, but uh, not, not to that degree. Yeah. Not to the right? conspiracy theorist. No, correct. Yeah. All right. My 43, I'm denied where to put this. I did make a little quick adjustment there. I'm putting it here. When you started talking about a universe, I thought, oh, are we actually going to have a crossover? Not just a crossover in our top 10, or this 10, I should say, but uh, is it going to be exactly the same spot? I'm going with Peter Jackson's, my favorite of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I'm going with Fellowship of the Ring here at number 43. Jesus yes. Christ, low. Oh, my well. God. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Good. We've made Dick angry now, too. That's fair. Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> oh, right. so fucking low. Well, good. I'm glad you'll have some input into this. I'm glad you love it as well. For what I find to be, and I'm sorry to all the, the Tolkienists out there, a very boring, very dry series of books where lots and lots of detail about settings and characters and, and lots of world building and very little fun action, exhilarating thrills and spills and whatever else. Peter Jackson did a wonderful job of setting up this world, taking what was really important, casting it perfectly. I don't think anyone could have done better than Elijah Wood and Sean Astin and Viggo Mortensen and Sean Bean in, in their roles. It's just magical. And that last 30 minutes, once it's done all the hard work and heavy lifting and set everything up and all the scale that they, they use in the film, which was revolutionary at the time, the amazing special effects from Weta. But that final battle with the Urukai and the Rogue oh, yeah. Band of oh, against yeah. the Fellowship is just some of the greatest, I think, both greatest battle scene, but just most cinematic of moments or scenes I've ever seen in a movie theatre. My jaw was agape that whole time. Even though I knew only one of them was going to die, I still was just, holy shit, how are they getting out of this? Yeah. Incredible filmmaking. Go on. Tell yeah, us it, I mean, it's 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 literally it. it's it's literally like three straight hours of nothing but character building. You love these characters so much, uh, you know. Before and like Jackson really, really, really takes the time to to let you fall in love with these characters, and then when they get in peril, when they get in danger, when yeah. the battle in in the battle in Helm's Deep, or when you lose Gandalf, or any of those oh, kinds of things, those moments Balrog, stab you. So hard. Those those moments just got, and every performance in the film is just absolutely out of this world. Good. I feel a bit bad you know? for getting uh for getting Gandalf there. Um, run your fills. Yeah, just I mean, unbelievable how good uh the movie is. It really, it it really, really is unbelievable. Trying to get my daughter to watch these films. She's just not up for it. She's very contemporary in what she likes. She likes stories about surprisingly enough tweeners at school or the babysitters club or shit like that i i got her to watch all of marvel eventually but i can't get her into this just yet so i'll buy my time maybe get let her get out two or three years old and maybe we can sit down and watch it yeah lord her. of the rings is a little bit slower in that sense like you know yep. it's it's you really have to you have to be willing to sit down especially especially if you're going to give her the extended editions no, no uh, i think we just you watch know, the normals you know there's no there's no such thing paul there's only the extended edition damn it <laughs> um you know like it's 
it's like I said, it's 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 literally it's like three and a half straight hours of, of of nothing but character building. So you are as broken, but yet as determined as Frodo by the time he gets to the end and he puts the ring in his pocket and he's like, I'm going to go do this alone. And then Sam comes running out after him because, of course, Sam's going to be along with him. And that's that's for me what I'm just like blubbering all over myself so hard. It's like I can't see the screen anymore, you know? Nice. All right. We're almost there. 42 then. Nicholas, what have you got? Uh, you talk about formative movies for a young Nick. I very famously picked this movie on a an episode of Two Peas, uh, Rest in Peace, Two Peas, with Gerald. Uh, <laughs> I was going to do a dirge behind you, but continue. God damn it, Paul. Sounded like you were going to start like humming the Superman theme or something. I was like, what? What is he doing? <laughs> But I picked this movie for like a like a like a family films list or, or something like that, and it's it's uh, Rob Reiner's classic uh, "Stand by Me," which oh, nice. as as a young boy growing up, like when I first saw this movie, like I was the age these characters mm-hmm. are. Like on, I think I saw this movie like when I was around puberty or like on the cusp of puberty, and I mean, there's just the ridiculous shenanigans that you get into with your boyhood friends and all of that. There's that level of it that speaks to it. There's the level of Gordon's older brother dying. John Cusack was Gordon's brother in that movie, which I still forget until I remember it, you know, and then like the father, like they're being so like, in love with his older brother but not him like wishing that gordon had been the one that died like telling your kid that you wish oh, that they had died instead unbelievable like unbelievable like the psychological torment that, that that those kids went through like the journey that they go through at the end of that movie to to the end of it where they get to they get to based on like a what is stephen king short story yep the body um, but they get to they get to the end and they find old ray brower's body there and you know ace is there and like trying to threaten Chris and Gordy pulls out that gun. And like, you know, like the journey that that character has been through, like how much shit he's had to endure, you know, he's like no ace. Like it, it, what is, cause Kiefer Sutherland is ace and he's great. And he says, what are you going to do? Shoot all of us. He's like, no ace, just you. And like, it's Will Wheaton and say about what you will about Will Wheaton, but you absolutely fucking believe Gordy would shoot him if he moved yep. a step closer. Like that's how convincing that performance is. Just like I said, I saw this movie at a time when I was exactly the age that the characters in this movie are. And as, as, as a result, it had just like a really formative, uh, formative effect on me. Cause really, and granted you may be in contact with some of them. You may not be, but like you never forget the friends that you had when you were that age, you know, and the adventures, the crazy silly shenanigans that you had. Yeah. It's probably something that's been a little bit lost. I think on the generation now, because parents are much more protective and overseeing of what goes on so this is almost a a snapshot of something that maybe it may eventually happen again but certainly not this generation or even probably the one just before so we might have been the last of those generations that got to kind of be home by dark was the instruction to me yeah on a weekend or the school holidays off i'd go at 10 o'clock in the morning and i wasn't expected to be home until in, in summer you know 7 30 p.m yeah I mean, I was. Don't happen now. I was. I was. Uh, you know what you would call a latchkey kid back in the back in the eighties and nineties. Like you know, you got home, parents were still at work. Mm-hmm. You know, you you Let know you in. fix yourself something to eat for dinner. Yep. You know, whatever else. You know, don't destroy the house. <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, don't burn the house down. The end. 
<laughs> yeah, I certainly probably wasn't making my own dinner. That was maybe a step too far for me. <laughs> with my lack of, I can see where your culinary skills come from, but uh, I, yeah. I learned on the blue box, baby. Kraft mac and cheese. Get in line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a great choice. Very nicely done, sir. My number forty-two is. It's probably going to raise eyebrows given that it comes above what I had, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring at number 43. But it's, to my mind, the greatest remake. No, the second greatest remake ever made. Uh, it's Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Great movie. I was one of those people that was all up in arms in the early days of the internet. They're remaking fucking George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. How dare they? How dare they? Who is this Zack Snyder guy? Who does he think he is? Oh, they've made it into fast zombies two years after 28 days later. <laughs> How dare they do that as well? This is going to be a piece of show. Oh, that opening scene. Mm-hmm. It's just in, in, what, six, seven minutes? Does such a perfect job of setting up this world and Sarah Polly's character uh, losing her husband who gets bitten trying to help the kid next door when she comes snarling in like the first zombie that she sees. And yes, it shares the DNA. They wind up at a... She winds up with a few other survivors at a shopping mall, but instead of there just being four of them, like in the original film, now we have about 15 or 16 mm-hmm. of them. So there's much more carnage to go around. And this isn't a horror film. It is. There's a lot of gore and what else, isn't it? But it's more of an action horror than the sort of satirical, almost goofy horror that the original Dawn of the Dead was at times until the slow shambling zombies got someone in a quarter and then it was just viscerally... Yeah. Like, it shredded your nerves, that film, mm-hmm. in a way. They're too... They're the same film covering the same basic things, but from entirely different angles. And that's why this remake works. And for me, probably works better than the original. If I had to really sit down, which one would you want to watch? Probably this one. Uh, And I know that's sacrilege to admit, but such is a 2004 film versus a 1978, I want to say, as much as I love the original. So yeah, this is Zack Snyder, written by James Gunn, we should also add. uh, And it works. It just works so, so well. I wish... Instead of dealing and dicking around with armies of the dead and planet of the dead or whatever else the fuck thing is going, I wish you'd just go back to this world and, and continue with James Gunn or someone else of equal talent writing the script for him. Yeah, I, th- I think I think everybody, everybody, even, well, okay, not like the super hardcore Snyder fans, which I am not one of. I really do love a lot of what he's done, but uh, he is definitely not the best writer. I think all of his best no. stuff comes when it's crafted by someone else. Uh, but I think no one can really disagree that Snyder's eye for action and his eye for like framing a scene mm-hmm. is probably second to none. He shoots some absolutely just breathtaking, beautiful stuff. Uh, and witness yeah, 300 and yeah, another film. that was This is such a great list. movie. Great movie. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Here it is. And last one for today. <sighs> number 41. Nick. My God. What do you got for us? All right. So this is uh, this is the is this the most recent movie on my list? I think it is. Now, while Ooh. Zack Snyder's Justice League is a little more recent, but um, right. I was um, as incensed as most people should have been back during 2018 when Bohemian Rhapsody was was rocketing through the awards circuit and everybody was <laughs> fawning love all over it for legitimately no reason uh if you take the queen music out of it and put any other generic music in it everybody would hate that movie the only reason anyone loves it is because they love queen, queen. yep um and yeah it's queen's queen's amazing it's not a patch on queen and, and even uh, Rami malik's performance is fine but another musical biopic came out shortly after that movie wow which was directed by the same guy who came in and picked up the pieces of Bohemian Rhapsody after they got rid of Brian Singer, De- uh, Dexter Fletcher, uh, and that's Rocket Man. I 
have adored Elton John as long as I can remember. I've always, always uh, loved okay. Elton yep. John's music, but I never really knew what he went through. And I know you hate musicals, Paul, but indulge me for just a moment. The way, <laughs> the way that they take, the way that they take Elton John's discography, uh, like all of his popular songs, and not only do they, you know, obviously sing a ton of them in the movie, but also they make orchestral like set pieces out of some of them to where you're just hearing it you know like you know it, it's that song but it's just like an orchestral they turn it into the movie score and they use his like like entire catalog of songs to tell the story of his life and it's really brilliant the way that the whole thing is structured taron edgerton is unbelievable in the movie fantastic actually sings yeah. all of his own songs and really That's really amazing. does nail it as as elton john like you really see him there's times watching that movie when i really really don't believe that it's not you know actually a, a young elton john on the screen and this it's like a it's a movie that's really personally important like because it's kind of like me and rebecca's movie you know oh, nice. like we both really really love uh watching it together like we have the lyrics like for christmas this past year i bought her a canvas print of the lyrics for your song which is one of elton john's like most popular uh, most popular songs but Sweet. like it's awesome it's it's a fantastic like unbelievably good movie and like i said i already loved his music beforehand but like this movie and like i loved the thing i loved about this movie too is like they wanted the studio wanted to make this a pg-13 movie and elton john was like no this needs to be rated r right. i lived an r-rated life yeah my life you know? is not pg-13 yeah <laughs> and like that's what i love like he he fought to defend this kind of thing like around the lead up the run-up to this movie like he did like concerts where taryn edgerton would come out and sing songs with him like wow. great great that. stuff man uh this is i kind of wanted to talk about it more like you could probably easily shop this out with a couple in my very low 30s but i really wanted to talk about it uh because i really absolutely adore this movie and uh it's a shame nice. that of the two biopics that came out in like that 2018 2019 era about famous musicians that uh this is the one that is not as remembered and it's infinitely infinitely better it's interesting i wasn't and i'm probably not a huge elton john fan but i watched that movie and after watching it went and added five or six tracks from the film and indeed from el uh, from elton john's wider discography to my apple music so songs that i now appreciate and there is one track on there which i might even close the episode out with now that you've spoken so eloquently about the film where taron egerton i think it starts with jamie bell singing the first verse of goodbye yellow brick road yeah and and then it it's sort of signifying a moment in the, in the particular moment of the film and then it's sort of discordant and, and jamie bell's not a great singer but then taron egerton takes over and and sings the belts out sort of the powerful moment of the song and geez it gives me chills because i love that song because billy joel did a cover of it once and then wayne and i sang it karaoke and i just sang underneath wayne so we got away with it so okay <laughs> everyone <laughs> but it's anyway point b i yeah it, it struck a chord for me as well that film i can see how good taron, taron egerton was in it and i mean it's 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 also like I don't know, like there's a lot of there's probably a thematic kind of uh, through line in a lot of these films that I see is like really fucked up parental relationships, which, of course, mm -hmm. is what really formed a lot of who I am as fucked up parental relationships. But you've got like the whole like his father in the movie, like never wanting to hug him, never wanting to touch him, obviously suffering some kind of post-traumatic stress from the war and whatever, but then goes on like to have another family and that like, that one scene where he goes to his house as an adult you know and like the dad's there with the kids and like 
the dad just the only reason he wants him there is to sign a record not even for him but for a friend of his um and like he's outside like hugging the kids and playing with them like as elton john's driving away like just unbelievably heartbreaking you know be so destroying oh yeah that's it that's 41 in my job i get to hear about that far too often i have to say yeah yeah all right very nice choice my my number 41 i can't say it's the same personal film for me but what it did for horror cannot be overstated i think that scream wes craven's scream in the mid 90s revolutionized i'm surprised this is this low for you for a long time i don't know why i thought scream 2 i liked scream 2 more and i really like scream 2 i think scream 2 is an excellent sequel obviously the less said about scream 3 the better and scream (laughs) 4 resurrects things quite nicely and then we get scream I Scream 5 earlier this year, which was a pretty good legacy film or a retro sequel or whatever you want to call it. But this film is where it's at. To have Kevin Williamson write this script. Dawson's crack, as Wayne would say. Yeah. You know, coming off that, to write the script, such a smart script, which is both homaging and lampooning horror, but not in a ridiculously over-the-top kind of way, in a way that horror film fans would both appreciate and get behind is incredible right from you know let's psycho it let's kill off the lead character or at least who you believe is going to be the lead character in the very first scene right the way through to the reveal that there are two killers rather than one like such a simple thing but how fucking clever because it gives every every killer gets a, a ready-made excuse oh no they were in the room when they got attacked great so you just don't see it coming yep. you do in subsequent films but not in this one and it's so well directed by wes craven Marco Beltrami's Beltrami's score is just iconic. This is firing on all cylinders. One of the greatest horror films ever made and probably one of the best scripts ever written as far as I'm concerned. This was one that you and I did. Go back in the, if you're a patron of the countdown, if you're hearing this, then this was one of the ones when we did the swaps we did. I'm pretty sure we did it on your side uh, where you had me because I'd, I'd seen Scream before, obviously, but I hadn't watched it in an eternity. Uh, and I watched it and we sat down and we recorded a Patreon only episode for it. And I, I remember that. Uh, well, I remember all those fondly because it's always great to share the yeah, mic with awesome. you. But like, yeah, like I re rewatching that movie for that experience. Like and I'm not I am not in any sense uh, a, a big horror guy no. like you are. But yeah, that movie, it's so smartly and so sharply written. Uh, it it is it it really keeps you guessing like literally the whole way through it like it's Wes Craven so of course when it wants to get bloody and gory it does and yeah. just phenomenal phenomenal film like I absolutely I absolutely loved my 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 time revisiting it so yeah great yeah. I'm so, like I said I'm I'm honestly surprised it's this low but that probably just speaks to the strength of the forty that are yet to come more than anything well, I, else I look at them on my list here which we'll we'll get to in due course. We'll sort out the next guest to do 40 through 31. These are all films that I see them come on and I, I have to tear myself away from the screen for one way or another. And Scream's no different. Uh, on another day, it could have been as high as, as maybe 31. It's so, so. tough. It's so yeah. tough when you start pushing higher. It, and I think I think you're exactly right. I think you look at maybe, say, 20 through 40, 20 through 50. They're all films you love. They all start to have personal meanings more than just their excellence of execution. And you really, really love them. But it's really any day. Like, I could chop half of these off of here for a bunch of other films that are in, like like I said, like the low or even higher 30s on my list, depending on the day. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. But there it is. We've done it. We've gone through the 10 films. It's been great revisiting 
sitting on a mic and talking movies with you, Nick. It's I been ages. I genuinely miss this and I will have to find another excuse to do something like one of these things in the not distant future. But after live stream for The Cure, which is the next time that we're going to sit there, I'll have Wayne alongside me. It's going to be huge. It's going to be amazing. The first time Wayne's appeared on live stream for The Cure too. So hopefully well, everyone's technically, technically he appeared last year in audio form only because <laughs> I, I purposely had Wayne record some diss tracks of Paul just to play when Paul was on the air. <laughs> that was very funny. It, just, it came flooding back to me just before you said it. So, but this time live on screen, on camera, we'll, we'll be sitting there and, and hopefully... It's going to be the, great. Actually, Wayne just bought a new cam, so it'll be a lot better than me sitting on with my shitty camera last... Uh, Last time around, where it just would not let me get the high res. That's right. Yeah, wouldn't. It, yeah, it could, and it like put you at, like you were windowed almost too. Like it was yep. like really, really weird. Like the way that it was doing it. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully all those technical difficulties aside this time around. So one more time, Nick, tell our listeners when it's happening. Uh, Livestreamforthecure.com. May nineteenth, starting at nine a.m. Eastern time, is is when the whole thing kicks off. Uh, follow and Dan and I, Dan from Netflix and Swell, he is. I literally couldn't do that without him. Um, but he and I have been streaming regularly on the channel on Twitch where the event's going to be taking place. You can find all those links at livestreamforthecure.com. Uh, come hang out, you know, come hang out because anything that anybody can do to raise awareness, even if you can't donate, donating is not the important thing. Like there are people with pockets out there who will who will donate. Let's get the event in front of their eyes uh, so we can raise more dollars. That's that's my big push this year is awareness. We really we got a big goal. We got a big, big goal to meet. Now we do. Uh, a big shout out to Dan, who, with his expert advice, actually managed to help me get our bare bones website off the ground because I was just, right, Wayne had taken a stab at it a couple of years ago, couldn't get anywhere. I took a stab at it and started to get somewhere, but ran into brick walls and, and Dan helped me through them. So thank you, sir. He is, a, he is a font of technical information, that man. He's a beautiful man and I love him. There we are. All right. Thanks again so much for your time today. Thank Nick. you for uh, having me. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. I I mean, even going back, like, yeah, like it was like 2015 sometime when, when you and I first crossed paths, when we both had fledgling, tiny little movie shows. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I through the course of our friendship together, we've learned like how terrible your taste in movies is. Um, <laughs> we've, we've learned how many movies you haven't seen despite being an epic oh, film guy for like six years. Oh, God. And that's and that's only gotten worse. Like you start you start talking March 2020 afterward. I've seen. Whew, uh, but like you know like, and, and then we also learned that your ex-co-host is fucked a pie oh yeah oh my so. god <laughs> easily like whenever i'm all said and done in podcasting whenever if ever that happens uh there's no way that like a lot of those moments or like one of my favorite moments ever in countdown slash efg and like you and i's history uh recording together was when we did that john carpenter retrospective and me and Wayne just kept shitting all over uh, They Maybe. Live. And, <laughs> and you and Justin were so pissed. Like, me and Wayne just kept shitting all over it because, oh, I fucking hate that movie. It's so bad. And you and Justin were so, like, I mean, we, we you and I have just done some great, great stuff together. Like, Lethal Weapon Retrospectives, oh, Lost, yeah. back in the day, like, talking about, like, Lost Mini Countdowns back in, yeah, what was that, 2016? Right. Yeah, when you come to Wayne ago. while he's having his hip operation. That's it. Ages and ages and ages ago, but you know, I, I've I've always always loved sharing the microphone with you. I will always take any excuse to do it again. So let's not wait. Uh, yeah, I think I think it has to a have year. been more. Not even not including live stream for the cure. It's been well over a year, I'm sure. So yep. let's no, not we'll wait so shit. long until next time. 
100 agree, and right back at you for all of that stuff, Nika. Without you, there's no way the countdown would be where it is, uh, and probably would have fallen a long time ago for not for your sage advice and encouragement and and promotion. The, the only reason that we have half listeners in the states we do is because of you and Justin from back in the day as well. So. Uh, my heartfelt thanks to you and I wish you all the best with Nikolai's Kitchen and most importantly, at least for next month, live stream for The Cure. Oh my God. That's it for us today. It's going to be big next month, but for now, we will leave you on that note. It's been an absolute pleasure. Once again, you know where to find us, thecountdownpodcast.com. That will do because we're running a little long. My name is Paul. My name is Nick. And we'll catch you next time. Eat Jeez. my ass. Eat all the asses. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a soundboard? There it is. That'll do. Catch you next time. See ya. Peace.